Well, good morning and welcome to Fellowship Bible Church. We are so glad that you've chosen to worship with us today. Go ahead and come on in, find a seat if you're coming in from the foyer. And once you do that, would you stand with us and let's worship the Lord our God together.
It's that time of year. Next week, school's starting. Can you believe it? The practices have started. The activities are starting to roll, aren't they? Parents, anxiety levels growing up just a little bit. Uh, matter of fact, this couldn't have worked out better. I've got a former college football player and a, and a guy with a football uniform on. So should I try it? Which one should I pick? You're closer. There you go. Hold on to it, Tim. Yes, he caught it. He caught it. Yes. It's an exciting time of year, and we're glad you are here worshiping with us at Fellowship. Matter of fact, you should have you seen when I went in this morning when my daughter's asleep, and I grabbed her backpack out of her room. She was like, what are you doing on a Sunday morning grabbing my backpack? But hey, if you're new here, we're excited you're here, and we want to connect with you. We want to get you involved, and how we do that is a couple ways. You can stop by the booth in the middle booth in the foyer. We'll get you signed up for whatever you want to however you want to connect. We'd love to connect with you. We'd love to get one of our staff with you and just grab a cup of coffee and get you connected. Um, or you can scan that QR code that's on the screen and it'll take you to an I'm new form and we'll get connected that way. Three things I want to tell you about that are going on today. Just across the foyer in the Family Center Auditorium is the Legacy Gathering. People often ask me, how old do you have to be to go to the Legacy Gathering? And what I say is, I'm not going to answer that. Uh, what I say is, uh, you get to, it's kind of, you self-select yourself in there, but here's a, here's a little bit of, here's a test you can take. If you were an adult, if you remember when the Golden Girls first aired, you might be old enough for the Legacy Gathering, okay? So you get to pick whether you go or not. But it's a really fun time. They have it the second Sunday of every month. Um, a lot of fun things go on in there, sing some old hymns, that type of thing. So, so uh, go across the hall for that. Also today, our Fellowship Student Ministries, FSM, is sponsoring a family picnic in the West Field. And so if you want to go get, get lunch, come back about 1130. They'll be gathering up for activities. Just hang out, very laid back. If your family enjoy doing that, come and see the the kickball game, there's, a, there's been a lot of talk this week about a kickball game against some adults, against the best high school kickball team Fellowship has to offer. So if you want to see that happen, come join us. And then also today, we're having a prayer walk at each of the schools, at, at 4 o'clock at elementary schools, at 5 o'clock at the middle schools, at 6 o'clock at the high schools. This is kind of a self-led thing, so we've got a form you can download or print out. Um, grab that, go to the schools. My family's done this for years, and we just pray over the school. One of my favorite things in doing this is when we ask one of our kids, hey, tell me, what would you have us pray for this year? And you can see they're a little anxious, especially when you're moving into that next grade. And so it's just something really fun to do as a family. And you might see some other families there kind of circle up together if you want to, just do it your family. But it's a great thing to do to kick off the year. And so in, in light of that, we love school, we love our teachers and our educators, and so just to say thank you, if you are an educator, if you're a teacher, administrator, would you stand up and let us say thank you to you? Yes. We are very grateful for you. Thank you. Especially the last couple of years, you all have been our heroes. You've navigated the last couple of years, and we appreciate you so much. And I just want to pray. I want to pray as we're starting off this year, as we begin to see those yellow school buses and the traffic increases. I want to pray for our schools. Would you join me in prayer? Lord, we're so grateful that we live in an area where we have wonderful schools and wonderful educators. And Lord, we're so thankful that you've helped us navigate these last couple years. And Lord, we just pray for safety. Um, we just pray for a hedge of protection around each one of our schools, both public and private. Lord, we pray that you would be with us. We pray for these educators as they go and they are a light in the schools for you. And we pray, Lord, that you would just watch over each of the schools and you would be with the students and the teachers. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, a couple other things I want to tell you about. As the school season begins to kick off, so is our fall launch. We've got lots of things going on. You'll hear about more of it later in the service, but a couple things I want to tell you about. Our largest expression of small groups at Fellowship are community groups. We want everyone in a small group, and community groups are the ones that meet at the homes. There's lots of times a husband and a wife or a single person in them, and we just, you meet at a home. We have them every night of the week. We have them in all shapes and sizes. We have all curriculums. Just sign up. We'd love to get you connected through that. If you really are new to the church and you want to figure out, okay, what's this church really about? What do we believe discover is your thing? 
It's where you can, you can go through the whole process, about six weeks, six to eight weeks, and then you can decide if you want to become a member of the church. And we'd love to have you join us. And you can sign up for that the same way, either at the booth in the foyer or scanning the QR code. And then next week, we'll also have a newcomer's gathering right across the hall in the Family Center Auditorium. So if you're brand new to fellowship or you've never gotten connected, we want to get you connected that way. Also, small groups, what we do, men's small groups, we do women's small groups. And uh, those kick off really soon. Men, we're about September 27th, 28th. Uh, September 27th in Springdale at our Springdale location. We have some offices and a gathering spot there. September 28th um, here in Rogers at the Lodge. So Tuesdays in Springdale, Wednesdays in, uh, in Rogers. And the thing I noticed as I was looking at this slide, the difference between men and women is the women start earlier. The women are a little bit more organized. They have you sign up. Men, we just show up. Just show up. You just need an elbow from your wife just to show up. But I'm going to have the ladies come up and talk about this. My wife, Sherry, and Aaron Wilkins, and they're going to tell us all about what's going on with ladies this fall at Fellowship. Yes, we would love, I'm Sherry, and this is Aaron, and we would love to talk to you, talk to the ladies for just a minute. Um, hopefully, when you walked in the door, you got one of these flyers, and on that flyer, it's just all of the small group opportunities for women, and so we want you to check that out, and I know you hear so much about small group here at Fellowship, and it's because it's the heartbeat of who we are, and so we want to provide many opportunities for you to be involved. I wanna highlight a couple. Here on Tuesday mornings, we have several different studies going on that you can sign up for, and we have kids' time, so you can bring your kids along. And also on Tuesday evening, again, on campus, we have small groups and we have kids' time available. And so, like he said, this is Erin, and I asked Erin just to come, just to share um, what small group is meant to her, why it is important to her to get her kids up and get here on Tuesday mornings. Actually, I want to share that when I first signed up for Bible study, women's Bible study, I was really intimidated. I had three small kids at the time, and I didn't know if, honestly, all the work that it took to get out the door was going to be worth it. But I can say that it is ended up being such an amazing blessing. One of the things that I love about it is that the women are so supportive of each other. I felt really comfortable to ask questions about life, about being a good mom, about being a good wife, about being a good friend. I also felt really, really comfortable to share how I truly am doing, like deep down in my soul and the struggles that I have. Um, uh, but the best most amazing thing about women's Bible study is that I've really got to see women be Jesus to one another. Um, I've got to experience really big joys with the women in my group and really big heartache. Um, I've seen women literally be on their hands and knees praying for one another and like I said, being Jesus to one another. And it has been amazing to witness no matter how long they've known each other, no matter what season of life they're in, they're there for each other. So if you're in a seat right now and you're contemplating if you should sign up for women's Bible study, I think that the answer should be yes. Um, and with that said, I would love to pray to start our service. Uh, dear Jesus, thank you so much for who you are, for your grace, for your goodness. Thank you for fellowship, for a church that provides so many opportunities to get involved in, Lord, to be known, to be loved, to be um, encouraged. And so, Lord, I pray for us today that we would open our hearts to you, that we would listen to you, that we would be able to worship you. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Would you guys stand with us again as we continue to praise the Lord? No longer I who live, but Christ in me, for I've been born again. My heart is free, the hope of heaven before me, the grave behind, hallelujah, you brought me back to
goodness of God in our lives today.
psalmist says that he put my feet upon a rock he pulled me out of the miry clay and now my song is great is the Lord it's good to worship and praise him for his goodness today that as we continue to sing would this song be your prayer God would you teach us to abide
this up as our prayer in this place today. Lord, we depend on you. Fellowship Rogers exists to change the heart and soul of Northwest Arkansas and the world. We pursue this through an ongoing commitment to grow together in the knowledge of who Jesus is and what he has done. We encounter this growth in these strategic life-changing ways. We worship together to experience God and respond to him through the empowering presence of the Holy Spirit. Coming into this room and to be surrounded by other believers, just to be able to hear everybody's voices and to be able to be a part of that, just feel the Lord's presence in the room, just glorifying the Lord has been hugely impactful in my life. We learn together, pressing into the very Word of God. I've been grateful that Fellowship really does live out um, its model of um, raising leaders and, and releasing leaders. Being able to learn from older um, godly men and women that are two to five to 10 to 15 years older than you um, that are able to disciple you and, and walk you through doing effective and, and godly ministry. 
We gather together, living life in small group community with one another. There's just something about that community that brings us all together. It's a friendship, it's a bond. It's a family, it's a feeling, it's a connection that goes well beyond just a meeting in a, in a house every other week. We serve together, joyfully, out of the overflow of grace we have received as followers of Christ. You know, you don't have to go across the world to do something for somebody in need. You can do it right here in your neighborhood. I mean, this is actually where we all work and live. And these are the people we interact with each and every day. You think you're just doing this to make a difference in someone else's life, but actually this impacts all of us also. And we make disciples together to release leaders who know and express Him wherever He plants them. I meet with women, and I meet with young women and older women, and now I've got all these sisters and daughters in the Lord, and it's just a, a beautiful, a beautiful thing. Why do we do this? So we can fulfill our calling to bring the message of the gospel into our community, where we live, where we work, and where we play. We want to see the reality of who Jesus is come alive around us, right here in Northwest Arkansas and around the globe. Each one of us is a part of that mission as the local church. At Fellowship Rogers, we have an opportunity and calling to come alongside people and to invite them in, into our campus, into our church body, and into our lives. Rogers. We are a community of believers led by the Spirit and under the authority of God's Word. And we're a local church expression of the global body of Christ. And we're one of four existing congregations of Fellowship Bible Church of Northwest Arkansas. And, and we're not really just one of those congregations. We're the founding congregation. This is ground zero for Fellowship Bible Church movement in Northwest Arkansas. You are at store one. This, this is, we're the OG. And we highly value a good life change story. And we believe that no one is beyond the redemptive reach of Jesus. So we walk in humility. We love extravagantly. We live generously, and our ultimate goal is to make one name famous, and that's the name of Jesus, and we exist to bring him glory. We do all of this by working out our mission. We exist to produce and release spiritual leaders. That's you. That's me, who know and express the authentic Christ where we live, work, and play. Hey, my name is Sam Hannon. I'm one of the teaching pastors here at Fellowship Rogers, and I absolutely love this time of year. I love August because it's not only the launch of school where we can send our kids back away from us and take a break, <laughs> but it's also a signal that fall is coming, which means football is coming and pumpkin spice lattes are, are coming. But at Fellowship, we follow the school calendar. So it also means that we are launching our ministry year. We follow the school calendar, and so there are gonna be a lot of opportunities that we're rolling out to you over the next couple of weeks spiritually. I wanna give you just three simple words for the fall here at Fellowship. Uh, the words are belong, grow, serve. We've got a plan for your church experience. So whether you've just moved here or you're just returning from your COVID absence or you've been here in the same row and in the same seat for 20 years, the three words are the same. Belong, grow, serve. You know, we all want a place to belong. Deep down within each of us, there is a desire to be known. And to know others. We're designed to connect with other people. We are intended 
to love and to be loved in return. We are purposed with caring for others and allowing those around us to lift us up when we're in a time of need. Fellowship believes that life is a team sport and that we are better together. So our goal is that each one of you would find a place to belong within our church. And our primary method for doing so is to create authentic spiritual friendships and community through small groups. See, not only do we gather here on Sunday morning to to lift up the name of the Lord, but then we scatter all across northwest Arkansas in, in homes to pray together, to study together, and to serve one another. So whether it's a community group or a men's group or a women's group or a marriage group or a recovery group, we believe that face-to-face interaction with an open Bible and a shared meal will foster true spiritual friendship and intimacy. And I think that's what we all long for in life. We like to say at Fellowship that we are not just a church with small groups. It's not just another program for us. We are a church of small groups. And you're going to hear more about this value of belonging today. But we also want to be a place where each person can grow in their faith. So whether you're here just investigating the faith, or you are a new follower of Jesus, or you've been following Jesus for decades, we believe that none of us have fully arrived spiritually. That we all have room to grow and mature in the faith. And that the scriptures teach that being a follower or a disciple of Jesus is an ongoing, it's a a progressive work where we become more like Jesus in this life and more free from sin. So as we walk with Jesus by faith and through obedience, we grow up, we mature in the faith, and we become equipped for life and ministry. We grow in wisdom and grace. We deepen our heart for God And others, and we believe that a growing faith is an active faith, that we don't settle for mediocre Christianity, but we take new ground each day and each year. We want to grow together. So, our hope is that each person belongs, that each person grows, and of course, that each person serves. We strongly believe that everyone in the Fellowship Rogers congregation, everyone, should be a person who contributes to the work of the ministry. That we would all be contributors and none of us would be merely consumers. And our our hope is that each person would discover their God-given talents and, and gifts and then deploy them in an area of passion or need to make a difference in the world. We believe that fellowship is more like an aircraft carrier delivering the troops for the mission that it is like a cruise ship who exists to entertain and charm those on a Sunday morning. So we're an equipping church. We exist to prepare God's people for works of service, and we hope to train and empower you to be a spiritual leader ready to serve both in the church and out in the community, all for the glory of God. So there you have it. Our goal for each of us is that you would find a place to belong, a place to grow, and a place to serve at this church This fall and over the next three weeks, you're going to hear about each of these words. Today, we're going to zero in on that first word, belong. So open your Bibles to Ecclesiastes chapter 4. And in today's passage, you're going to see a simple contrast. It is going to contrast a man all alone with a man who is living in the context of Connection and loving relationships. It will show the the difference between isolation and connection, between individualism and partnership. So let's take a look. Ecclesiastes chapter four, let's pick it up with verse eight. Ecclesiastes chapter four, verse eight. This is the first part of the contrast. It begins like this. There was a man all alone. Let me stop there. Isn't that sad? In fact, I need you to help me here. When I say it, could you give me one of those awes? There was a man all alone. He had neither son nor brother. There was no end to his toil. Yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. For whom am I toiling, he asked. And why am I depriving myself of enjoyment 
This too is meaningless. In the book of Ecclesiastes, the author Solomon has been talking about the futility of his earthly experience. He says this too is meaningless, a miserable business, a man all alone. No heir, no brother. He was flying solo. No family, no significant close friendships, no intimate relationships. He was living his life disconnected from others. He was a man all alone. Thank you. And in addition to being a man all alone, he was a workaholic. It said that there was no end to his toil or his work. He had no one to go home to. So he just stayed at work. He labored continuously. He doesn't seem to have had any hobbies or leisure activities. He regularly put in overtime and burned the midnight oil. And he was rich. And because of his long hours and hard work, he had accumulated much wealth. He had a, a weighty net worth. But he wasn't happy. Climbing the ladder and padding his pockets had left him discontent. Why? Because he was a man all alone. There was no one to share in his success. What good is it to have it all if you have no one to enjoy it with? He had found success, but there wasn't anyone who could bring significance. And you can see the man's exasperation. He was irritated. Why am I working so hard? Why am I putting in the long hours, working overtime, depriving myself of rest and leisure? What is the point? He's frustrated because there's something missing in his life. He is missing the joy and the satisfaction that comes from intimate friendship. A few years back, I was invited to speak at a college conference it was a big conference and they had rented out the whole hotel and a couple of others near it. And they had filled this convention center over in Tulsa. When I arrived, my buddy um, came to me and said, hey, we're gonna put you and Amy in the presidential suite. Now, I'd never been allowed to even go on that floor before. So I was like, Awesome. And so I went up to the presidential suite. It was like 1,500 square feet. It had its own living room, its own kitchenette. It had a shower with jets that I don't even know what they were trying to shoot at. And it had <laughs> flat screen TVs everywhere. And it had this view over the city that was awesome. But Amy didn't come. I was headed to seminary right after I spoke at this conference. So I went alone and I was sitting up in this room. The presidential suite by myself. <laughs> it was pretty miserable. So, you know, after I jumped on the bed and <laughs> called from the bathroom downstairs, used my key card to get upstairs and like told the people in the elevator, you, you can't go here. I went back to my buddy. I was like, hey, look, this is a total waste of money. He said, well, the hotel gave it to us for free because we rented out the hotel. I said, hey, here's what we'll do. I'm gonna give you back the room. I haven't unpacked. Why don't you give this away to some college students, like upgrade them and give me their room? And so they did it. And that night they're like, hey, we're giving away the presidential suite tonight. And everybody went, <sighs> And they enjoyed it. Why? Because they weren't alone. You know, when you look at this man, why was he discontent? He had it all, but he had no one to share it with. He was lonely. Loneliness could be defined as a state of distress or discomfort that results when one desires social connection but fails to attain it. Feeling lonely is not just a product of isolation from others. You can also feel alone in a crowd. Feel disconnected amidst a busy schedule. Feel deserted even though you have thousands of followers on social media. Author Randy Frazee said this about loneliness amidst connection. 
He said many people experience the phenomenon of crowded loneliness. We are in desperate need of meaningful relationship, yet we are too busy, we are too pulled to maintain them. In recent years, the governments of Japan and the United Kingdom have both created a government position called the Minister of Loneliness. They're trying to address this epidemic of depression that results from their citizens living in isolation. Being alone is not only frustrating, and it's not only sad, it's not God's plan. Go back to Genesis 1 and 2. These are the blueprint chapters, the creation account. And in Genesis chapter 2, the Lord says this in verse 18. It is not good for the man to be what? Alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. You know, over and over in Genesis 1 and 2, the Lord designs, he creates, and then he observes, and he says that it's good. The Lord created this. He observed his work and said it's good. But here he says it's not good. It's not good for man to be alone. And his answer is to create the most intimate relationship, the covenant relationship of marriage. But the principle stands true. We are designed, we are created for intimacy to know others and be known. So this Ecclesiastes chapter 4 verse 8 presents the man all alone. Let's see the contrast. Carry on in the passage to verses 9 to 12, and it's going to describe the blessings or the benefits of living in the context of a caring, connected community. Verse 9 says, Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up, but pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm, but how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves, and a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Verse 8 described the man all alone and his exasperation and his frustration. Verses 9 to 12 describe the blessings of living life in the context of friendship with others. And to summarize verses 9 to 12, we're better together. Living life in the context of Christian community is superior to living and isolation. So these verses lift, lift several benefits of living in community. Let's work through each one of them verse by verse. Start with verse 9. It says two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. We get more done together. When we link arms with other people, production increases. We get a, a stronger return. We receive a, a higher ROI from working together than we do alone. Just do the math. It's a simple equation. Two is greater than one. Two brains, two sets of hands, two shovels, two incomes, two skill sets are better, are more productive than one. We can accomplish more together than we can alone. And this is true of our spiritual lives as well. Two are better than one. You are not designed to follow Jesus alone or in isolation. The church is a community of believers led by the Spirit under the authority of God's word. It's not a headcount of isolated individuals. We're better together. It's true of Bible study. It's true of prayer. It's true of generosity. It's true of worship. It's true of evangelism. It's true of discipleship. You can't fellowship alone. It's more difficult to serve alone. A few years ago, in one of our Springdale community groups, we had a school administrator as a part of that group. And his assignment was to care for the homeless students or the students in a home transition at his school. And so he asked the community group, for help, And of course, they all jumped in. The idea was, let's provide for some of their needs at Christmas. And so the school administrator came up with 40 students at his high school that were in need, and the community group adopted them. But the list grew quickly. And it turned out that he actually needed help for 80 students. So the community group panicked. 
But they remembered two are better than one. So they brought the needs to other community groups who linked arms together and they ended up providing for all 80 students. That administrator and our staff have been partnering with Springdale Schools now for several years. And last year, we had many, many, many community groups join in and other churches in the area. And we served 200 families totaling 460 students. We're better together. So benefit one is increased production. Look at verse 10. Benefit two, together we can help one another should trouble come our way. It says, if either of them falls down, one can help the other up, but pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Let's face it, life is not always easy. Adversity. Misfortune lurk around every corner. We get sick. We can't figure something out. We are weak in temptation. We lose something or someone we love. We trip, we fall, and therefore we need others to help us up. And living in the context of community provides the avenue for help and aid when we are in need. A circle of relationships provides support and prayer and assistance when we stumble or when we struggle. One of the assignments that we have as the church is to help others in times of crisis. We want to do that well at fellowship. And our primary strategy for delivering care is through the context of a small group. Care for the people in your group. But every year it's going to happen. There will be several cases that arise and it'll happen this year where someone has chosen to opt out a group a man all alone yet there's a great need for prayer or to be cared for or a financial need or they're in the hospital or they're grieving but they don't have a small group and therefore they're outside of our primary method of delivering that care, and we rally to figure out a way to show support and care for them. Look at that last part of verse 10. But pity the man who falls and has no one to help. It paints a sad picture of someone in need of help, but there's no awareness and there's no one in proximity to do anything about it. Living in the context of Christian community and friendship provides a safety net not if something happens, but when it happens. I was thinking about my community group last year. You know, there's a verse that describes uh, a community together, weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice. I was just thinking about our group, two weddings, navigating grief and the loss of a parent, a job transition, medical issues, a future grandbaby, Retirement from a job. So there were lots of hugs and celebration and there were prayers and holding of hands as we navigated life together. The benefits continue. Look at verse 11. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Those relationships can insulate us from the harshness or the coldness of life. Because we all need encouragement. We need the comfort of others when we're empty or when we're weak. A kind word, persistent prayer, a compassion meal, a familiar face, a note, a text, a call to let us know that we're not forgotten. Sometimes you just need the warmth of a caring friend to help you endure the chill of adversity. So the benefits, their, their increased production, help Comfort And look at verse 12, it brings the last one. Strength is increased. Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves, and a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. You could say it really simply, there's strength in numbers. By ourselves, we're more vulnerable to attack, but two can defend themselves, fighting back to back, and three are difficult to overcome. The passage gives an illustration of what that strength looks like. It compares it to a rope, a cord of three strands. If you think about a rope, it's actually made up of hundreds or even 
thousands of individual fibers. Alone, these fibers are weak. But when you braid them or intertwine them together, they become very strong. I don't know if you've ever thought about this while you're being pulled behind a boat on Beaver Lake or while you're parasailing in the Bahamas or, or while you are rappelling down a rock face, but you're actually entrusting yourself to threads, individual fibers that have been intertwined together to form something that is very strong. Ropes are designed to be trusted. The strength of the church is not based on the collective of individual faith, but on the interconnected faith of many, expressed through relationship. And that completes the second half of the contrasts. Ecclesiastes chapters, chapter 4, verses 9 to 12 show the blessings of living in partnership. Let me summarize it. We're better together by design. We need others. When we lock arms with others and pursue Jesus together, we're stronger, we're more effective, and we're more satisfied in life. So I wanna give you an invitation this morning to enter into Christian community this fall at Fellowship Rogers. And I wanna give you a simple challenge. Sign up for a small group and trust yourself to the care and the nurture of others. Maybe it's time for you to move from visitor to family, to, to move from being unknown to being intimate with others, move from the, the crowd to the core, to move from just attending church to being the church. And that's why this is so important to us, the empty chair. Because we all have a need to belong. Because many are living in isolation and being disconnected from others. So we need to keep the empty chair in mind. So for those of you who are currently in a small group, the challenge is before you to keep the empty chair as a part of your circle and pray for the Lord to bring names of people who should join your group. We don't close our groups. And then look around you in this room. Because of the launch of Fellowship Bentonville, we actually have the opportunity to invite people to church. If you were here 10 years ago, you invited people to church with an apology and an explanation. Hey, I'd love for you to come to my church, but I'm sorry, you're gonna have to stand on the wall. You won't get a parking spot and you need to be there an hour early and lay down on the chair. Somebody will steal it from you. <laughs> but we've expanded our footprint. And if you look around the room, there's room for your neighbor to be here. So what would it look like for us to reach out to others? I want to introduce you to Chris and Taylor Saunders, hear their story. I grew up in the Dallas, Texas area. I grew up in just amazing family. It was definitely a blessed there to grow up in a loving, caring, two-parent home. Since a very early stage, just Christ was implemented within Went to uh, the University of Arkansas, was involved in athletics as well as, of course, academically. I was born and raised in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, I also grew up in a Christian household, had the, the blessing of that. Uh, I also came to know Christ at a young age. Uh, I was about six years old when I accepted Jesus and um, made the decision to get baptized when I was in middle school um, and then continued my faith journey throughout high school. and. Uh, into college where I also did athletics at the University of Arkansas. We didn't know each other yet. Um, I had played a sport and so was involved in a team and that had been my family, um, you know, all four years and I was accustomed to you know, having been in athletics for 16 years, always having that family unit, that team dynamic. And so when that ended, I, I realized two things. I realized one, that I've been placing a lot of my identity in that sport. Um, and I also realized that I needed, I needed that family unit. I needed a team. And so fellowship just became that for me, became a family, uh, our community group did. I didn't really know that many people in the area, um, but really sought after the community aspect and, and just the community and body of uh, believers at Fellowship helped lead me in the right direction, get me involved in, in student ministry as well as young adult ministry to um, just really help walk alongside the, the phase of life I was in. We actually met uh, several years after whenever I moved back to this area 
um, and we met in community group. There's been a lot of counseling in community leading into um, getting married throughout the entire dating process. I would say there was a lot of intentionality. I think one of the benefits though is having a body of believers that are surrounding us, praying for us, just a, um, a solid foundation of community that's really here to support us uh, throughout life. We would have two challenges just for um, people who are coming to fellowship for the first time to take that scary step maybe and talk to someone, ask about community, also reach out and make sure that we're not just walking past people, that, that we're smiling, saying hello, asking uh, people for their names, looking them intently in the eye to make those uh, situations more inviting. So I'm really excited for the, the stages of life we're engaging in, but uh, the area that we live in. And there's just a, an amazing opportunity for us as the body of Christ, as well as fellowship, to serve non-believers, to serve believers well, and just be the light. Just being the hands and feet of Jesus is just an exciting opportunity for us moving forward. Maybe you find yourself and you're like Chris and Taylor, or maybe you've got a heart for people like Chris and Taylor, but know this, hey, we're better together. And so the invitation is before you to join a small group. What does a small group look like at Fellowship? Well, for the most part, those groups meet off campus in homes one night a week. There's usually a casserole that involves Velveeta cheese, some solo cups, some Bible study, uh, some time of prayer. There's usually some laughter, some conversation, sometimes tears. It's a place where we learn together. It's a place where we lean on one another. It's a place where we move from name tags first week to intimate friends over the months. And we've got a group for you, whether it's a community group or a women's group or a men's group or a recovery group or a marriage group. If you're brand new, I would recommend our Discover class, which is also a small group experience. And I recognize that for some of you, this is a big deal because you're afraid we're going to put you in a group with weird people. <laughs> and I can promise you it's going to happen. I just told you we laugh at group. That's who we're laughing at, the weird people like me. <laughs> you know what? We're all weird. But we all need each other. And so it may be a step of faith for you. You may have to overcome some fear, leave your comfort zone, and step out and join a Christian community for the first time and entrust yourself to someone else and add something to your calendar, even though it's already jam-packed. So the opportunity is for you to join it's also an opportunity for you to rejoin. I know that for some of you, COVID disrupted your rhythms. And being in a small group may be something that you did, but it's not something you're doing. And we want to invite you to come back. Our groups aren't perfect. There's effort and grace involved, but we've got to be intentional. We'll close with Hebrews chapter 10. It's a great reminder. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as we see the day approaching. We are called, it's a biblical principle, to gather together in the name of Jesus to pursue his calling in our lives, to be persistent in our pursuit of him and meaningful relationships. So I want to give you an action step. I want to invite you to go online at fellowshiprogers.org forward slash small group form. You can scan the QR code with the camera on your phone. You can go out in the foyer and we're out there ready to help you today join a small group. Take that step this year or I'm going to make it really, really easy for you, okay? Next week, we're having a newcomer social right across the hallway in the family center. We're going to have high-end snacks and we're going to have a 30-minute meeting where we tell you about fellowship and the ways you can plug in. So right after the 9 o'clock, right after the 1030 service, grab your kids, join us in there. It'll be short, and we'll get you connected. Hey, we want to love you well, and we want you to be uh, loving to others. And this is our method of doing it. Would you pray with me? Well, Lord, we lift up the small groups ministry at Fellowship. And Lord, we don't want people to live life alone.
So Lord, I pray over our groups. I pray over our leaders that you would bear fruit through this ministry this fall. I pray for those who are hesitant, who are fearful, who've been hurt. Lord, that they would overcome those hurdles, sign up and experience you in a rich way this fall. It's in the name of Jesus we pray, amen. Hey, if you're here today and you need prayer, we've got the Campbells in the prayer room. It's right over here through that door. We'd love to pray for you. Fellowship, we'll see you next week.